Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to the last game plan podcast of the 2023 season. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Tommy Ashley, of course. That's Greg Barnes, of course. Jason Staples has joined us. Everybody has the post-Christmas blues, um, but there's work to do, gentlemen. North Carolina, West Virginia in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, 5.30 tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, Carolina and West Virginia, of course, have played in this game before, a version of this game before back in 2008. Of course, the famous Hakeem Nicks catch that you still see on your YouTubes. Greg, I'll come to you first on this. How important is this game for Carolina? Is there an importance for this game for Carolina? Let me answer that in in two parts here, Tommy. Number one, do bowl games matter? No, unless you're playing in the college football playoff. Just in general terms, especially given what college football is going through right now with the transfer transfer portal, and just kind of the unique dynamic of, of what this has become um, in terms of everybody uh, leaving at the end of the season. And you know, teams have multiple players. I mean, how many players will FSU have out, Jason, in the Orange Bowl? They're at, they're at, at least uh, 16 now. Yeah. And Carolina's – that, That's about 80% of their uh, offensive uh, output for the season, by the way. Yeah, so that – that is a significant number. Um, now, for North Carolina, when you look at it through that lens, yeah, of course, it doesn't have that much significance. However, when we look at what has transpired for Matt Brown uh, at the end of this season, at the end of the last three seasons, the you know, North Carolina – Three seasons ago, lost four of their last five against FBS opponents. Lost their last four last year. This year, lost four of their last five to FBS opponents. Um, there's a there's a trend in place. And I think a lot of fans are kind of frustrated with it. And so this is an opportunity, I think, for, for Mac Brown uh, to provide some optimism for the fan base heading into the offseason. Part of that is the fact that, hey, your best defensive player is gone. Drake May is gone. You're down seven starters. You can pack up your bag and go home, or you can really approach this uh, with a unique fire, get creative, which we can talk about in this podcast, and really give the fan base something to enjoy two days after Christmas and let the fan base know that, hey, you know, Drake may be gone. Said may be gone, but there are some talented pieces here that give us reason to have some optimism that, that next year is not going to be a drop off of a cliff. And because of that, I think this game is important, Tommy. I, I really think this is an opportunity for, for Mac Brown and Chip Lindsey and, and you know, Gene Chizik to, to do some different things potentially, to showcase some young players, uh, and to, to try to beat what is a you know, pretty solid West Virginia team. 
Jason, to the point that we sort of mentioned before we got rolling here, um, it, it shouldn't be the Mayo. It should be in the Gator Bowl. I don't know if that really matters, but, but sort of speak to, um, you know, obviously Florida State, your team there is – we see what they think about it, and they've got business decisions to make, and they've made it. Carolina's had some all across the country. To Greg's point, though, is this an opportunity for Mac Brown to give the fan base some hope here? Because right now, if you base it off what you see, there's not a lot going into it. Um, where do you stand in that regard as, as far as the importance of this game for Mac Brown? Well, before we go any further, I do also want to uh, commemorate, remember uh, Joey Powell's cousin Al. Uh, 35 years ago, two days ago, in the act of heroism and all of that that he uh, displayed at the Nakatomi Plaza. Uh, so, and also, I think we should we should uh, before we do anything else have our Drake May portion of the show. Uh, so hold on, here we are. We're all gonna miss him. All right. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> to, to answer your question. Um, the way I think you have to start thinking about bowl games, at least in this current weird moment in college football, where bowl games are still around as a kind of legacy, but uh, <laughs> but don't have a whole lot of real meaning the way that they used to. I mean, you remember even five years ago, uh, it was a you know comparing how good the conferences were, you know, yardstick of like you know, oh, well, this conference is, you know, six and one in bowl games. And, you know, it turns out this conference is pretty good this year. Well, it doesn't really matter this year because it's basically a test to see who has the fewest opt-outs. But uh, the thing now, the transition now that we're, st we're still seeing these games, but they don't have the same meaning for, for that season. They do have meaning for the next season. And, and like Greg said, it's about, it's about displaying some some hope. And I think what you're basically able to do, first of all, the, the biggest value of the bowl game has already happened. And that's the practices. You had an opportunity now to have 15 practices where you are getting, a, it's essentially like getting a second spring, right? Spring practices where you get to really work on the younger guys in your program to work on development, to work on fundamentals, technique, making sure that guys, that younger guys understand the installations, they understand what they're supposed to be doing. All of that happens in bowl prep. That, that bowl prep matters a lot. So that part is really important because you, you get those, those extra practices and a lot of young guys are getting a lot of reps. The second thing is you're getting an opportunity for guys who maybe haven't been major contributors this season that are going to be important guys next season, you get a chance to see what those guys look like. And so, you know, yeah, there are guys who are not sitting out this game. I mean, you know, Ed Montalus, William Barnes, Spencer Rowland, those guys are all playing in their last college game. You get, you know, the, the secondary, Armani Chapman. Uh, I think, I can't remember, does Stick have another year, even though he's a grad? Yeah, so Stick has another year, but Armani Chapman, Don Chapman, Geo Biggers, those are all guys who are, they're, they're, they're done after this year, right? So, uh, you know, you look at uh, Miles Murphy playing in his last game. Kevin Hester, I think, could apply for another year, but, but I think this is his last game. So, uh, Des Evans, you know, again, could apply, but probably not, uh, you know. So, those guys are all playing, but the, the place where it really starts to matter is a guy like Amari Campbell starting in place of Cedric Gray, a guy like uh, uh, Deems May at tight end. I mean, three tight ends are out that were your that were your three three tight ends during the season. You got three freshmen at tight end that you get to see. Okay, well, what what's it going to look like? You know, Willie Lampkin is going to be the starting center next year. He you're going to get to see. Okay, what's that going to look like next year? This is an opportunity for, at the quarterback position, Connor Harrell to say, okay, this is what I have. This is what I look like. And whether he, he's, you know, he's going to compete for the job next year anyway. I mean, I think we all expect Max Johnson to be the guy. But, you know, what does Connor Harrell look like in an actual game? None of us really know. 
right? So, and the coaching staff doesn't really know. So at a certain point, that's what this game is about. It's about the future. And you kind of have to think of it as, as kind of a quasi spring game against another team or like an exhibition game in NFL preseason where, you know, a bunch of guys are trying to make a roster where a bunch of guys are trying to demonstrate that they should be in the, in the depth chart for next year. That's what this game is about. And that's where it has the most meaning. Greg, to that point, it was funny listening to Jason. He sort of went where I was going with my next question is, we talk about those bowl practices and how important they are for younger guys to get reps in practice, but now they get the reps in the games as well because of the opt-outs and injuries or whatever. How big a game is this for Connor Harrell? We've talked about this before on, on the beat. Connor Harrell is sort of, I feel like, sort of the forgotten guy um, with the portal – you know, Max Johnson coming in and all that. But to, to Jason's point, he gets a full game to play against a team that, you know, a Big 12 team that is it's not Campbell. And I don't know how great West Virginia's defense is, but still it's basically, again, to Jason's point, an audition for him for next season and for his future. And that's why these games are gigantically important. Um, even if the fans don't care, the players care. The ones that are actually playing care. Just sort of speak to that, Greg. And by the way, that's like the NFL preseason, right? Yep. Those games 100%. don't really matter except to every guy trying to make a roster, yep. right? Th those things are life and death. Those things are absolutely – I mean, it's about feeding your family. Those are life and death games for those guys, even though they don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And, and that's why I think – the fan base and fans in general need not to poo-poo too much. I get it. Nobody wants to go to Charlotte again to see a Mayo Bowl. But, Greg, it, it is it is as important as it gets for a college athlete, a college football player, these games here. Yeah, for sure. And you know, with, with the college football landscape changing next year as we expand to the 12-team the CFP, uh, that, that adds even more – importance of these games because you know, Carolina, if you're talking about 12 game CFP race, well, now the close of the season really matters, right? Um, you know, if you finish, finish 10 and two, instead of eight and four, you're probably you're still in the be mix. left out because no, you're not in the mix because you're in the ACC. <laughs> so you're well, going to be, you're going to be 10 and two and you'll be left out for a nine and three SEC or big 10 team. That's the way it's going to work. <laughs> I, I retract, Let's be honest. I retract my comment. The day after Christmas. Which I think we all could agree is still, still to this day, mm. complete BS. But It was. It was a complete screw job. Um, we won't go down that, that route quite yet. Um, having said that, Connor Harrell, we saw the potential <laughs> against Campbell, right? Great athlete. Got a pretty live arm. And I think it's important for people to understand, if, if you followed uh, Don Callahan's reporting over the past year, I mean, really, since spring ball, we knew that North Carolina was going to go in the portal and grab a quarterback. This is not as though Carolina got to the end of the season. They knew Drake had decided to leave. And they said, uh-oh, like, we're seriously in trouble. It was not the case. That had been the plan all along. Why had that been the, the plan? Well, there's a lot of young guys behind Drake May, Connor Harrell being kind of the top of the list at, at, on the depth chart. And it was a matter of, hey, let's bring in somebody that has a lot of experience, who has done it in games, um, and let's allow them, that individual, to compete with what we have on the roster. Because we know Connor Harrell has a lot of potential. We also know that he's raw. And he's, he's got to continue to take steps to get better and to step into that starting role. So I agree that Max Johnson is the likely candidate to start next year for North Carolina. However, Connor Harrell is going to have an opportunity to compete for that job. And to your point, Tommy, his first true opportunity to compete for that job is before Mac Johnson is in the competition. And that's in the bowl game tomorrow. And I do think it's important. And the, the key thing here for, for Connor Harrell is what does Chip Lindsay do to set him up for success? If you just put him in the game and say, hey, just do exactly what, what Drake did, you'll be fine. Uh, that could go a lot of different ways. But you have to kind of tailor your package, and you have to you maybe take some things out to make it a lot easier for him to allow him to have some success. 
uh, while you are losing a lot of offensive linemen for next year, next year, as Jason said, most of those guys are, are playing in the bowl game. And you've got a situation where you've got an elite back in Marion Hampton. So take advantage of the run game to set up Connor Harrell for success. So I agree. It's a very important game for him. It's a great opportunity for him. And if he wants to legitimately compete for the starting job next year, that begins tomorrow. Jason, let's talk about this. And this is sort of game plan section, and we usually go there a little bit later in this. But let me ask you, Greg mentioned Chip Lindsey. You play to win the game, obviously. Always. And well, winning's not enough, but you still uh, – Well, you, you play to do what you can. <laughs> <laughs> and, and is that different – is that game plan different than playing – to see what you have in Connor Harrell fully. You understand my question? Do, do you hand the ball if, – if Amari Hampton's going nuts, do you hand the ball to him 50 times to win this ball game, or do you try to do things in your game plan to see what Connor Harrell can do specifically? And remember, bowl games don't matter. We've already decided that, wins and loss-wise. So, yeah, that's a tricky way to frame it. Um, because, uh, you know, what you're basically getting at is if Omarion Hampton's running wild, do you just let him run wild and, you know, maybe throw 12 passes or something like that? And I think that is the case. Yeah. You play to win the game. Um, you know, he's not out there, even though this is an exhibition game, he's not out there to go out there and, and lose. He's out there. His paycheck is to go out there and do the best thing he can to help that team win. That said, the way that, that he's still going to run his offense, the, the way that he's going to set this up, you're still not going to be able to just turn around. I mean, this <sighs> North Carolina's offensive line is not Alabama's, right? And Hampton's really good, but you're, you're probably not going to be able to go in. And I think, I think uh, Lindsey would be surprised going in to be able to turn around and hand it off 30 times, throw it, you know, 12, 11 times and win this game just on the strength of that. You're still going to need to run your base offense, which means there's going to be some RPOs in there. You're going to it's going to be a handoff, but if they're if they show these numbers, then it's going to be a glance router. It's going to be a a bubble on the outside. There's still going to be some opportunities where like, okay, well, they're, you know, you're running your offense. They got an extra two guys in the box now. You got a one-on-one -on -one out there you got to take advantage of. You're still doing that stuff because that's what you have to do to prepare to win. So I, I do think in your hypothetical, if they go out there and, you know, they play and they're able to just bully a team, they're going to do that. They're going to play bully ball. I mean, they did it with Drake May. Right, you got Drake May at quarterback, and there were times where you know you're still only throwing it, you know, 22 times or whatever it is, because you're just you're running it for 300 yards. If they can run it for 300 yards against this team, they will. But that still gives a good test to what you got at quarterback because he's got to make checks. He's got to make sure that the that the that the run is going to the proper side against that front. He's got to make sure that, you know, he's flipped this play here because the front's there. He's got to make sure that on this RPO, he reads it correctly. You're going to use his legs in the running game as well to, you know, offset some of the stuff that, that they're going to try to take away Omarion Hampton. And that's something that in the game plan aspect of things, we're going to, you know, we need to talk about because Harold does present a, an explosive option at, 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 uh, as a quarterback runner. Which we, which we saw against Campbell. So even if you're just handing it off, not all, none of those handoffs are just handoffs from the quarterback position. He's still having to make decisions on the pre-snap stuff and then some of the read stuff that you're going to uh, add in there in Lindsey's offense is still going to be there. So it's still a good test of what he brings to the table with the lights on. It's going to be an interesting dynamic. Greg, let's talk a little bit about outside of Harrell. I mean, Chris Culliver at wide receiver is going to get some run. Uh, Jason mentioned you got all three tight ends. Morales is in Boston College. Nesbitt and Copenhaver on the shelf with injuries. Uh, what's North Carolina's offense look like 
outside of the quarterback and running back position here. You got Willie Lampkin running center, which to Jason's point earlier, I think that's a that's going to be an interesting thing to watch because that's likely your scenario next year, or at least a major option next year. Uh, what do you see from the rest of that side of the ball, Greg? Yeah, well, I think the deal with with Willie Lampkin was that when they they grabbed him from Coastal, there was still some potential for Corey Gaynor to to leave at the end of last year. And Lampkin, of course, made his made his name at Coastal Playing Center. So uh, when Corey decided to come back, they're like, "Look, this is a good opportunity for you to showcase what you can do, uh, you know, at a position other than center." And I think he did that this year. And so I don't think there's any question he'll be the, the starting center for Carolina ne- next year, especially with so many young guys having to play. To have a veteran guy like that at center will be beneficial. Um, and I, I think we'll start to see that tomorrow. But, yeah, I mean, you have to kind of look at where your strengths are, right? And, and you know your strengths are going to be up front in this game, even though you don't have Gainer, and it's going to be in, in Amari and Hampton because you are missing some some key pieces. Of course, your, your best piece at wide receiver – uh, all your tight ends are, are gone. And so um, it, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if it's just one piece here or there missing, you can work around it. Um, and that's why I think there's going to need to be kind of some some big changes in what Chip Lindsay is trying to do here. Uh, I don't imagine we see a lot of tight ends in the game. And, you know, of course, that's going to be strange because we've seen games with a lot of tight ends in, uh, two and three at times. So, that I imagine that's going to be that has been a lot of fun for the offensive coaching staff to first understand, hey, we're missing some key pieces here, but also, all right, well, how can we get creative? What can we do a little bit differently, and how can we cover some of these potential holes um, in, in the roster? And that's that's kind of why you brought Chip Lindsay in because what has Chip said from day one, and what has he said throughout his coaching career? He's going to build his game plan around the pieces that he has. It's not necessarily like a Phil Longo where he's got his his plan in place and he's just putting guys in in those slots. Chip is a little bit different how he wants to approach it, and we'll get to see that tomorrow. Uh, but, yeah, you don't have the, the full arsenal, Tommy. And I think if you had a Tez Walker, you'd feel much more comfortable with Connor Harrell having to throw the ball down the field because, you know, Tez most likely is going to get some separation and those are the easy, you know, throws to open grass that you want to have. I don't know that there's going to be quite as many of those. And so that that makes them maybe have to be a little bit more conservative in the passing game. But I think that's what we all expect anyway. We are talking game plan, North Carolina, West Virginia in the Mayo Bowl tomorrow, 530. Um, be an interesting game to watch, of course, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. I'm going to go ahead and do Johnny T-Shirt because I think mm. it's important to talk about Johnny T-Shirt. Okay, Christmas is over. Local businesses still need your support. Johnny T-Shirt's one of those local businesses in Chapel Hill. So all the Christmas money you got and, and all anything that you need that you did not get, go to Johnny T-Shirt, hit them up online. They're still the same great customer service, the same great alumni-owned business, the same great uh, deals and everything you get. If you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, and if you didn't get that for Christmas, I see some questions in the chat that lead me to believe that some people did not get an Inside Carolina Premium subscription for Christmas. You need to use that Christmas money and get one. I mean, I'll answer a lot of those questions, and i also give you 10% off at Johnny T. So support local businesses. The Christmas rush is gone. Businesses make a ton of money or do a ton of business in that season. But this time of the year is the time of the year we need to support locally and support Johnny T-Shirt. Let national guys pay the bills a little bit early. It's the game plan with Greg and Jason. All right, guys, we're back. Jason, I kind of want to flip it over. Unless you've got anything you want to still talk about North Carolina's offense specifically, let's go to the defense. I'm going to read a couple stats for West Virginia. West Virginia is number one in the Big 12 and tied for number two in fewest sacks allowed. All right? They They run the football a lot. North Carolina's best defender, if we want to say that's Cedric Gray, is going to be watching this one. Cayman Rucker um, almost gave every Carolina fan a heart attack in the first half of his announcement slash coming back. Um, how does North Carolina defend this team? Because they've got a quarterback that can run it. Garrett Green, number one in the nation in rushing touchdowns for a quarterback. 
So wherein lies the trouble for Gene Chizik, the last stand in Charlotte of the 2023 season for this defense? Well, um, I think you've said a lot of it right there. You know, can, can the defensive line do something? Oh, and by the way, Christmas isn't over. This is the, this is, this is the second day of Christmas. There's 12 days of it, right? So there's still plenty of opportunities out there for y'all who, uh, who want to, you know, do Johnny t-shirt in this Christmas season, which just began. We got, we got, by the time you're listening to this, if you're not, if you're not in the live group, you know, you still probably got 10 more days of Christmas. So we, we got opportunities anyway. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think getting to your thing about, you know, they're, they've had success in, in, in the fewest sacks allowed. They've had a lot of success in, in maintaining, uh, in pass protection. And by this point in the season, you know, Greg, I, I think you feel this way sometimes too, where by this point in the season, we sometimes start to feel like some of our analysis is, is, you know, kind of a, a broken record, a broken record, a broken record. Like it's, we're talking about the same stuff, you know, it's the same thing each time. And to some degree, I feel the same way here where it's like, look, can Carolina's defensive line do something? Can they produce pressure? Can they get some tackles for loss? Can they, you know, this is a, this is a contract game to some degree for, for Miles Murphy. You know, he's declared for the NFL draft and, Cayman Rucker declared for the NFL draft for about five seconds. Uh, so uh, these are guys who are trying to demonstrate that they that they belong at the next level. They're trying to demonstrate that they that, that they actually can uh, can play hard, play and play out. And you know, for for Murphy, uh, that he can uh, make consistent plays in the backfield. Demonstrate that you know when he's healthy, he can do a lot. Well, that's going to be really important in this game. I think uh, if you actually compare the defensive numbers, West Virginia and North Carolina look an awful lot alike. Uh, West Virginia gave up a few more big plays on the back end, but up front, they look very similar. Neither team could get in the backfield that much. Neither team really did a whole lot in terms of pressure. But offensively, that's the that, that when, when you flip that around, that what that means is for North Carolina, it's going to be about running the football against a defense that gave up a decent amount of ru uh, rushing success. And for uh, West Virginia, it's going to be setting it up for them to be able to, to throw the football and protect their quarterback and, and put themselves in position to take advantage of some stuff on Carolina's back end. It's defensive line for North Carolina, probably as much as anything is going to determine who wins this game. And it's because West Virginia's had success up front, and it's because Carolina's not had a bunch of success on their defensive line. So, to me, it's that. And, Tommy, there, there's a lot to get into here about West Virginia's approach. But I think it's important to kind of build on what, what Jason just said is to look at what transpired for, for North Carolina defensively really over the second half of the year. <clears throat> if you look at the – let's see here, the first six games of the year, uh, South Carolina had 31 carries. Minnesota had 31 carries. Pittsburgh, 28. Syracuse, 28. Miami, 27. Okay, those are very normal, pretty good uh, rushing totals in terms of total attempts. The one game that kind of stood out that gave some of us pause early in the year was App State. And App State rushed 44 times for 219 yards, about five yards per carry. They had success running the ball. Now, part of that, of course, was their intent was to try to limit what Drake May could do in the passing game. It didn't work. That was Amarian Hampton's breakout party. But if we look at the second half of the season, when teams figured out that, hey, you know what? If we can run the ball successfully, um, you extend drives, therefore keeping Drake May off the field a little bit, look what happened starting with the Virginia game. Virginia had 54 attempts. Georgia Tech, 48. Campbell was Campbell. They still had 42. Duke had 43. Clemson had 55. And NC State had 43. Uh, so North Carolina defended 474 carries this season. 
that is second most in the Power Five. Uh, um, you know, when we're looking at teams that that played twelve games through twelve games, and Pittsburgh was the only team below North Carolina in the Power Five in, in that standing. So, what does West Virginia like to do, and why is that important? Kind of to your point, sixty-four percent of West Virginia's plays are, are runs. And I know a lot of people made made a big deal about C.J. Donaldson being out with with injury. Uh, he had surgery. He was the top rusher. Yeah, he was the top rusher, uh, but he was not the the top rusher the second half of the season. That was Jaheim White, who had 522 rushing yards his last four games. So when Donaldson came, left with, with injury, they replaced him with a young guy who was probably even better. And then you mentioned Garrett Green. Uh, both White and Green had more than 700 rushing yards. So while they do lose a, a key cog in Donaldson, he was not by far their only rushing option. Uh, and we can talk about Jason's favorite topic, time of possession, and just kind of get, <laughs> get back what I just mentioned in terms of teams finding, learning that they had success running the ball against this Carolina defense and staying on the field and therefore keeping Drake May off. Um, West Virginia is sixth nationally in time of possession, 33-18. Carolina, of course, is one seventeenth. 2806, which I believe is the worst of the Mac Brown 2.0 era. So uh, West Virginia's game plan, despite not having Donaldson, despite not having their All-America center and Zach Frazier, is going to be to to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball and run the ball uh, and be efficient doing that, score some points, keep their defense off the field, and then what happens when you run the ball and have success? You force the other team probably to play from behind, and that's what they want. They want Connor Harrell to have to play from behind against the you – know, granted, West Virginia has got a, a so-so defense. But that's that's kind of the approach for what Neil Brown wants to do. Jason, this sounds an awful lot like Georgia Tech and an awful lot oh, – or Paul Johnson, Georgia Tech, and an awful lot like, dare I say, Baylor. Mountaineers, pass yards, completions. Anybody know what it is? 14, they're pretty solid, though. I mean, they're 14, not terrible. 14.73 yards per pass completion. That is Georgia Tech. Triple option, throw mm. over the top when they get you coming up in the box. So, Jason, Amari Campbell, we talked about him. How important is it is he in a game like this? How important is a safety to get down in the box and make some tackles? You mentioned the defensive line, and all games really begin and end there. But give me some players that really need to show out to give North Carolina an opportunity to slow down this defense, or excuse me, slow down this offense that, to Greg's point, is going to go a little run heavy, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot run heavy. <laughs> the reason that, by the way, that they have such a high yards per completion thing, did you notice their completion percentage? Very low. Like 50%, what is it? Right. 53, 53.9%. Yeah. Right. So you're right that that's, you know, almost. So Baylor was actually, you know, they were actually efficient in terms of their percentage as well, which was what made them so, so dangerous at that point is that they had the high completion, you know, high, the high, uh, uh, yards per completion. And they had, you know, 60, 62% completion percentage. West Virginia's passing game is boom and bust, right? I mean, they, they are 50, 50, under 54% completion percentage, but when they're completing it, it's down the field play action, RPO stuff where they're, they're trying to get big plays. So that is very Georgia Tech. I think that's your comp. You know, Haynes King is not throwing 70% completion percentage, but he can throw the deep ball. And they have some receivers who can do something with it when they catch it. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. To me, though, uh, if I'm looking at this game, I already said, like, look, the key to this game is the defensive line. <laughs> I mean, you're going to need to have, specifically, this is a contract game for Miles Murphy. He's, he needs to demonstrate that he, he deserves to get drafted. He's going pro. If he wants to get drafted, he needs to show that he can, he can consistently disrupt in, a, in one full game. And 
this is a good opportunity for that against an offense that's had a lot of success on the ground and, and doesn't give up any pressure in the passing game. Miles Murphy, I'm circling him because if they can if they can do some things inside on the defensive line, we all know what they're going to get from Rucker. That guy comes to play every play. Des Evans, Bo Atkinson, they've got some guys on the edge that that and and uh, Amari Gaynor also a guy that's going to try to produce some things in this game. Uh, those guys are going to have some opportunities on the edge if. They're not just soft as 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 toilet paper on the inside. The defensive tackle position has to hold up. And then beyond that, I'm looking at Amari Campbell. This is a this is absolutely a uh an audition game for him to show that, you know, without said gray out there, it's a totally different defense. How much can Amari Campbell come in and go? I can handle I can handle business here. Can he be a guy that can consistently trigger against the running game, be in the right spot, and be a cleanup guy and erase things, make plays at the line of scrimmage rather than eight eight yards downfield, that sort of thing. That's gonna be a guy that's gotta have a good game. And, you know, I think, you know, Power Eccles needs to play the way that he has most of the season against the run. But that to me, those guys are are the core. Jason, when you factor in that Elijah Huzzy is also out against a, a very solid run team, uh, I imagine that gives you pause. Yeah. Well, you know, the the natural thing to me would be to play three linebackers against this team, but apparently they don't they don't do that. They don't have that package available to them. Um Do they have three linebackers available in this game? They do, but not many of them. I mean, you still got Michael Short and Caleb Lavalley out there. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> honestly, the guy that I'd like to see more of in that context would be a guy like DJ Jones, who's 200, 200 pounds and, and, and has, some, uh, uh, has some bulk to him to be able to, to, to play that star position and play it like a linebacker. But, I mean, the star position is an issue. I mean, you got a, a freshman, Caleb Cost, who's, who's a good athlete. He's a good player, but he's a, he's a nickelback. And then you got DJ, who you know again, this is his first year playing that position, and he's in the portal. So, so you know, honestly, I think I think DJ is a guy that uh, you know DJ Jones is a guy that probably has to ha- has to play some and, and have a good game in order for Carolina to to have success on the defensive side. So let me ask you this, Jason, with, with some key pieces being out there on the defensive side of the ball, um, and I full, fully agree with you that the defensive line for North Carolina and, and the current state of the defense, for, for North Carolina to have success defensively in this game, the defensive line has to step up. And we've said that time and time again, like you said, with the broken record deal. But given what we've seen, we really haven't seen that. So when you have young pieces having to filter in at linebacker and in the secondary, um, is this a game where you're, you – look at it as a defensive coach and say, okay, we don't have the veterans that have played, you know, played so many reps for us and know exactly what we want to do in our essential bend, but don't break scheme because we have younger guys who have talent. They just don't have the reps. Are you more aggressive in understanding that, Hey, they're going to make mistakes regardless. Let's go ahead and be a little bit more aggressive. Try to get off the field uh, by, by shooting some of these gaps and, and trying to get some TFLs? Or do you just do what you've been doing and hope those young guys don't make as many mistakes as they potentially would, considering they're so young? Does that make sense? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little confused by your wording here. Are you asking okay. what I would do or what Gene Chiswick is likely no, 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 to no. do? <laughs> I think we're in agreement on what we think Gene would do. What would you do? Oh, I'm getting aggressive. But hey, you and I both uh, are going to default to the Narduzzi kind of approach uh, yeah. as a as a defensive approach. Over you know, if we're gonna if we, if we're gonna see a if we're gonna have a, a specific tendency, you know, I'm I'm, I'm probably not going to go full Narduzzi. I mean, everybody knows you don't go full Narduzzi, but 
I'm not going to go full Narduzzi, but if I have a choice between going Narduzzi or going Chiswick in terms of, of, of approach on this, not, not a matter of scheme. I mean, a lot of the scheme stuff is similar. It's just a matter of how you coach it and, and whether you get aggressive with what you do. I'm going to default towards aggression because I'm, I'm of the belief that the more you can dictate to the other team what, what they're going to do. Like, you might want to do this, but you're going to have to do this because we're going to take that away. I believe in that type of defense. I believe in if I'm going to lose, I'm going to, I'm going to lose with you doing what I want you to do. You know, you're going to have to beat me with something other than what you want to do. Uh, that's what I'm doing. I'd play And I'm doing that regardless of who is out there. And, you know, I, I, I'm, of the, I'm of the belief that secondary-wise, you can cover these guys. You have to protect your safeties a little bit. But I think you can cover this team. Okay, well, that means the real concern is they don't give up sacks. They don't give up a bunch of tackles for loss. And you don't get a whole lot of either one. <laughs> so start start putting pressure on them. Start, putting, start applying that pressure. This is a 53.9% completion percentage team. Treat them like an option team. Yep. Get after them cover them and you know what if on two or three of those plays they end up with big plays down the field that's fine you want to you want to see if you can force them to be a 40 a 47 percent completion percentage team and get off the field get the ball back to your offense and get that beautiful time of possession that you're really fighting for i'm the i I play bon jovi defense if we're going down (laughs) we're going down in a blaze of glory you know, Don't stop believing, baby. Yeah, we're going down with the guy peacocking from 20 yards out because they've thrown it over our heads. But we're going to hit the quarterback, and maybe the quarterback will throw it to us yeah. more than once. And the sad part is that I miss that. There's so many things about college football and just football in general that you know that I miss in terms of how the game has changed a lot. Uh, and look, I had six concussions. So, I mean, I know how <laughs> – this explains how, a lot. Now you tell yeah, us. It, it really does, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I had six concussions. So, I mean, I know how important that is. And, you know, I've had post-concussion migraines for years and all. Uh, I, I know what that's all about. I, they'll probably, when I, you know, once I'm gone, you know, they'll probably cut up my, my head and be like, well, there's a whole lot of CTE in there, whatever. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't, I don't really miss the days of, like, if you're if you're a quarterback, you should, you should play with a little bit of fear in your heart because those guys are coming downhill. And, you know, if you're going to miss a guy, you know, quarterbacks should think real, real, uh, real carefully about how they lead a quarterback or how they lead a wide receiver into a safety, which happened to me a couple times, as you might be able to tell by my concussion numbers, um, that, you know, maybe you don't make that throw because you're, you're, you're putting your guy in danger. Uh, We've taken a lot just of the just in terms of the rules. We've taken a lot of that aggression out of the game, and that's one of the reasons why I do appreciate the coaches who've just decided screw it. You know what? We might get a couple roughing the passer penalties, but we're still going to make that quarterback think about leaving his ribs exposed when he throws. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, I just think there's something to that, and and I think that's the way that this game was designed to be played initially. They're trying to take a lot of that out, but I do think there's still something to that in in how that affects the way that teams play. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 
15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I agree yep. 100%. Football <clears throat> is not a passive sport. Tommy, let, let me add this in here real quick about uh, Garrett Green. He's a fun player to watch. I don't know if, if, if anybody has watched his, his film, but I encourage you to go to YouTube and watch some of uh, West Virginia's highlights. Uh, he's, he's not just a, a running quarterback. Uh, yeah, he's not the most accurate guy, but if you look at some of his numbers, and we've talked about this all year, um, but when he's kept clean, and because you know, they're, what, uh, second nationally in fewest sacks allowed with nine, Carolina, of course, has given up 30. Um, but he's been kept clean on 75% of his dropbacks. He's got a 91.5 grade. He's uh, completed 58% of his passes for 1,846 yards, nine yards per attempt, which is pretty solid, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, 25 credited with 25 big-time throws, which is really good, really good. Uh, but he, he does have a lot of turnover-worthy plays. Under pressure is a different ballgame. He's got a 55.9 grade in 25% of his dropbacks. So that that's really a key. Um, the other the other key point here in, in factoring Green's work, I wrote it down here. Where did I put it? Uh, West Virginia is averaging 6.7 yards per play on first down. And I think it's a little bit more than five yards per carry on first down. They're able to protect their quarterback by, by you know, staying – Head of the chains, and that's why. And again, the record, the broken record deal. But Carolina has to have some level of success on first and second down, and you have to get West Virginia into some of these third and medium, and third and long situations to put the ball in, in Green's hands, and obvious passing downs. And you know, an obvious passing down for West Virginia is going to be different than the obvious passing down for most teams. That being said, uh, you want to put him in a position where you can kind of attack him and, and try to make him beat you with his arm as best you can. Not having Donaldson will help. That's a key piece of the running game. That's not the only piece, as we've already talked about. But for North Carolina to have success, and this, this is where all the, the more aggressive plays and maybe adding some more blitzes, maybe adding an extra linebacker, gives you those opportunities to get some stops. And even like a two-yard stop running the ball is really good because that puts West Virginia in these positions where they can't just soak up the clock and they may have to punt um, or at least, you know, kick a field goal if they get down into to scoring range. So that, that, that's the key component. If you, if West Virginia is able to run the ball efficiently and throw when they want to throw, that's going to make a really long day for what Gene Chizik wants to do. I think the, uh, I think, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to talk about Congruity, our other sponsor. You see their logo here beside me on the screen. Uh, they are very friendly to small and mid-sized businesses. So if you are watching this and you have a small and mid-sized business, go to congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels. Fill out the, the form. Get you a free assessment on what they can do for your business going into 2024. Darren and Matt, those guys, great customer service. They empower your small business, they handle all HR and uh, payroll outsourcing. They, they handle that so you can handle growing your business with great customer service, technology, 
Um, they've transformed their business from a North Carolina-based business to a national brand. They can do the same for your small business. So check them out. CongruityHR.com, front size Tar Heels. Fill out the form. Get your free assessment because if you're an inside Carolina person, they care. They're going to give you that free assessment. If you don't like it, you lose nothing other than the moment and the opportunity to win big with Congruity. Uh, let's talk about predictions, guys. Here's mine. I'll go ahead and get mine out of the way first. Can I, can I, can I interrupt, Tommy? Wow. I, I like get on a <clears> roll and I'm, I'm speaking to the crowd and I've got the crowd in, in my palm and Greg jumps in. I'm sorry. No, I'm it sorry. doesn't matter. I think this is, it does matter. It does matter. <laughs> it's, it's the day after, it's the day after Christmas. We're in the Christmas season, as Jason informed us. Let's, let's celebrate. <laughs> let's, let's get creative. Let's think outside the box. All right, let's, we've already mentioned the Baylor game. We've mentioned what West Virginia wants to do offensively. I've got a, I've got a suggestion for Chip Lindsey. Um, it's probably a little late for him to implement it into the game plan, uh, but I want to I wanna get Jason's take on this. And we talked a little bit about this during the signing day show last week, Tommy, but I want to bring it up here because I, I find it interesting. Other people may not. If you go back to 2015, when Carolina played Baylor uh, in the Russell Athletic Bowl and, and a game that the Bears are, are still running, um, the offensive line coach on that team was Randy Clements. Okay? What happened to Baylor? Why did Baylor run the ball so much in that game? A couple of reasons. Number one, their top two quarterbacks were out. Um, Jarrett Stidham had gotten injured. He was already going going pro, I guess, at that point in time. Or at least, I guess, he did he go to Auburn after that? It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, he did. Okay, it doesn't matter. Um, so the top two quarterbacks were out. Yeah. Their uh, Blitnikoff winner at wide receiver <clears throat> opted out. Their top running back was out. And so Art Bryles says, okay, a lot of these key pieces for us and what we want to do are gone. Who does that sound like? And so he said, you know what? We got a couple weeks here. Let's get creative. Where's our strength? Our offensive line. Okay? And they had a very athletic guy, wide receiver, who had played or uh, that they moved to, to quarterback late in the year. And we saw what happened. They rushed for 500 and some rushing yards, and that ended up being a, a bowl record that stands today. They got creative and mixed things up offensively and had a ton of success with it. There was a lot of risk involved in taking that approach, but it worked. So when you look at this North Carolina team, yes, you, you've lost Corey Gaynor, right? But you do slide Willie Lampkin over to center, and you've got some veteran pieces along the offensive line. As Jason said earlier, yeah, it's not the Alabama or Georgia offensive line, but it's still solid and still solid enough for Amari and Hampton to be top five in rushing yards nationally. Could be Al it. it could be Alabama's offensive line against Auburn. Sure, yeah. You've got pieces there, and you add in a running quarterback threat who we saw what Connor Harrell could do against Campbell. He's got burst. I think you could get really creative and run some more option type plays beyond just your basic you know, zone read stuff uh, and really try to create a new dynamic in the run game that West Virginia has never seen before that we've never seen before and throw the, the Mountaineers kind of off their game a little bit. Uh, I think it would be a, a fascinating kind of uh, perspective into what Chip Lindsay can do what he potentially will do in the future. And I think that's the kind of thing that the fan base could see and say, wow, you know, they actually care. They're actually getting creative and it may not work, but it's different and it's progressive and all those kind of things. And I think that would be a win-win in a lot of directions. Um, and you look at what West Virginia did, what we just kind of laid out. They want to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball and set the quarterback up for passing success. That would be a great plan for what North Carolina wants to do with Connor Harrell. Jason, uh, you want to you want to shred that game plan, any? No, I mean, I, I to me that's that's sort of 
just developing the, the kind of thing I was suggesting earlier, which is uh, you've got a lot of uh, opportunities for an athletic quarterback to, you know, RPO it, uh, to zone read, you know, inverted veer, all sorts of things. I mean, these things are in the play in in the playbook, and you have an opportunity to know you know they're going to be they're going to be keying on Omari and Hampton. You've got some opportunities to really run the quarterback a lot, uh, and I think that's I think that's the, the the right approach in this game with the quarterback that you have out there. Uh, I think you, you can do that while still using your athleticism on the outside as well. I mean, the, the, the difference is, is that Harrell is still a, a real quarterback, right? You can run all that same stuff and still have some of the downfield options and all of that with the, with some of the, the, the guys that you've got at wide receiver and be able to do that. So, you know, to me, um, that's exactly <laughs> what I'd be doing is I'd come into this run heavy, use the quarterback's legs a bunch, and then try to get some big plays down the field with your with your wide receivers. Because even without without Tez, you still got some guys that can play out there and can run. So, and the more you can get those safeties coming down against the the full eleven man running game, the more you're going to get opportunities for one on ones with those guys to to give Harold easy throws that could potentially you know run a long way. So, you know, I I think you get you know a couple drives in with that approach and it might be a welcome to the party pal kind of moment for for you right i mean that's that's what you're looking for and yes by the way uh Sean Crowley it is boxing day also known as the second day of christmas tide also known as saint stephen's day so just you know you're you're familiar with uh good king wenceslas he went down on the feast of stephen right that's today second day of christmas y'all Enjoy that Johnny T-shirt, uh, that 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 major Johnny T-shirt swag. You got to go back and get some more for for the other days of Christmas here. Spoken like a a, a man that has young young children, keeping the Christmas alive in, in his house. <laughs> Let, let's talk to y'all's point. To to your point there, Greg, and then Jason, your follow up. That's what I want to see is something different, something that gives hope and hype and quote-unquote Kool-Aid for next season. I think the script's written on this one. We've, we've talked about these bowl games or look ahead and, and all the players. That's what I want to see is how flexible can this staff that will be in place, the ones that will be in place next year, do something different to win a ball game that I think is important for the reasons we've talked about. Yeah, so do tell, Tommy, which ones will be in place next year. So let's talk about predictions here. <laughs> Um, the Garrett Chapman and Chatham throw this up. Please do a state of the program. Max recent demeanor, Chizik being evasive and all that. Th- has it been scripted for the off season? That is a show for after the bowl game. Sure the, is. The postmortem that we'll do in the next couple weeks. We will get the band together. We do a prediction show before the season. We're not doing prediction shows now, other than this specific game. Greg, you're up first. Carolina, West Virginia, for all the mayo. I love my titles. Uh, how's it shake out? Well, to, to just give him some insight into his question, Mac Brown historically has made any staff decisions after the bowl games in January. So just tuck that away in the back of your mind. If, if people were expecting something to happen before the bowl game, it was unli- unlikely. You can agree or disagree with that approach, but that's just how Mac does it. Yeah. The coaching uh, transfer portal normally opens around then anyway. So, yeah. Uh, so, Tommy, I've got so many stats here that I could just kind of lay out, but I'm, I'm not. I think we've we've kind of picked the feathers on this one. Look, do do I, stats matter in this game? No. So here, here's the here's the no. here's the trend to segue here. What matters in bowl games right now with the portal the way it is? Turnovers, tackling, and special teams. And a lot of that's because you don't have the, the typical numbers that you, you have in terms of player count because guys have, have transferred. You have a lot of young players having to play increased reps, a lot of inexperience on the field. And when you've got young guys having to play on offense and defense, uh, that really hurts your special team ranks as well. And that's why that's so important. Uh, I, I've got to throw this one out. Opponent kickoff return average, North Carolina ranks 128th nationally. 
out of what, 131 teams? West Virginia's 129th out of 133 teams. West Virginia's 129th. If there's ever a game where special teams could have a significant impact, this could be it. But that turnovers and tackling, um, given the the break since the end of the regular season, I think will have significant impacts in this game. I think those will be the stats that matter uh, come, what, 8-15 tomorrow tomorrow evening. That being said, um, when you look at kind of the strengths of these teams as they currently stand, uh, I just have a, a difficult time picking North Carolina to win this one. I think Carolina certainly can, but I, I just think um, Carolina had a had clear, clearly had a chance and probably would be my pick if Drake May was playing. Uh, he is not, and so because of that, I've got West Virginia winning this one. I do think it'll be it'll be entertaining, but I've got West Virginia winning this one, 38-27. 38-27. What saith Jason Staples? I'm just bitter you went to Greg first on this because well, – I mean, I can you just basically, copy him either way. I've been trading I, I can, notes. I, I, can just, uh, I can just basically say, well <clears> – What um, he said. A lot of what he said because I think the big, the, the, big pro, the big concern here is how has North Carolina fared – all season when they played a team that can really run the football. Not well. It's not been great, right? Not good, Bob. <laughs> it's not been great. <clears throat> so, and you've got a team that, that, you know, looks a lot like Georgia Tech in certain respects and how they approach things. How'd that game go? Well, you know, that that's where my it's not just about Drake may being out because I think Harold with some of what he brings to the table as a runner in, in particular in this game, uh, as long as he makes good decisions and doesn't turn it over, you got a chance to put up some points, but I just don't believe in North Carolina's defense at this point. I just don't. And you know, most of us haven't believed in North Carolina's defense for a while. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm going to basically match the same thing uh, where, you know, with Huzzy out, uh, with no Cedric Gray, do I really believe that Carolina's defensive front is going to show enough improvement from the end of the season to now to put the screws to and, sh- and stop a, a really good rushing attack? I, I, I just, I, I don't, I, could it happen? The talent's there. We've talked about this for a long time. They could absolutely flip that switch and win this win this game. But if I'm if I'm betting, if I'm like having to make a prediction on this, which Tommy's forcing me to do, <laughs> then I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with West Virginia winning this game, and I'm gonna go with West Virginia uh, twenty four to uh, or uh, that is West Virginia thirty four, North Carolina thirty. That's more in line where I was going. Uh... Here's what I want to see. I want to see Orange Bowl, Holiday Bowl, North Carolina, rather than Mayo Bowl two years ago, North Carolina. And then whatever happens, happens. I I think if we see an egg laid on tomorrow at 530, then the problems are vastly deeper than any of us imagined, in my opinion. And I'm prone to that kind of exaggeration all the time. So, folks need to understand that. But if Carolina plays and guys come out and make plays, if a guy like Miles Murphy comes out and makes plays and West Virginia just wins, you know, Pat McAfee comes out and kicks a game-winning extra point again. Oh, man. Like he did in 2008 of all the people on the planet to do that. uh, Then they just do. But North Carolina needs to show up to show that this program's not on life support going into 2024. I think they'll come out. I think they'll play hard. I think it's going to be higher scored than that. I think it's 41-37 because I think Harrell's going to show out and make an interesting uh, duel with Max Johnson. So 41-37, West Virginia. Um, But Carolina has a chance late if they play like I expect them to play. Orange Bowl, Holiday Bowl version 
and not Mayo Bowl two years ago. Anything left, boys? It's been a fun show. It's our last game plan until, I guess, uh, Labor Day next year. Well, now we yeah. get the, the post-mortem next week, so that'll be a blast. Yep. Yep. Post-mortem will be a blast. And we get to monitor the portal for the next few next few weeks, months. The portal for grown-ups, the portal for players, um, cross-rivalry transfers. Tommy, I think we need to do a viewing party for the Florida State game and just allow Jason to vent his frustrations for three and a half <laughs> you talk hours. About, you talk about a team that, you know, that now with their uh, backup deciding to uh, to portalize and, and not play in the Orange Bowl, <laughs> they're now down to their third-string quarterback. So, I mean, I think you're going to see a Baylor-type <laughs> type game plan in this game. They've got a they've actually got a wide receiver who was, uh, who was recruited by Louisville right before uh, all the changes happened at Louisville to be a kind of uh, uh, Jackson clone. And he didn't turn into that, but he's that kind of athlete. You got to start thinking like, okay, they got four days left to prepare. How much do you just say deuce run around and <laughs> throw the ball? <laughs> Cause they don't have a whole lot left on that roster right now. So if they can go over 200 yards against that, against that uh, Georgia, Georgia defense, they're, they'll have they'll have to really go deep into the bag for that i i think uh i think this is bowl season in the transfer portal in the opt-out era i think really shows how good a coaches you have that might be a weird way of putting it but how good can a coach adapt and get his guys to execute the adaptation of the game plan in short order i think it's interesting to watch we can do that with greg and jason and watch florida I'm, state I'm, I'm down for it <laughs> We uh, it should be you fun. get some fire in that if you did it. <laughs> My gosh! And Silver Freak says y'all need to stop hating on Harold. I think I just said nobody quote, hated unquote, on Harold. Harold is going to play well and yeah. ball out. I um, think he's a good player. The only question with Harold to date, there have been two major questions. One is he's turned the ball over some in practice, where you'd like to see him make make the right decision enough that there's no that there's no turnovers. But that hasn't emerged in games so far. So that's good. Uh, and then the second thing is he's not thrown the deep ball especially well. Uh, you know, certain bucket throws, you know, your, your fade type stuff. He's more thrown it out there rather than throwing it to spots. Yep. Otherwise, the guy's been pretty good. Nobody's hating on Harold. He's just a, he's a redshirt freshman who's not played a lot. And you can't really expect a ton from because he's still a guy that's developing. And yep. he didn't get developed his first year on campus. He basically just got sent over to the uh, to the scout team and didn't get any reps. So you know th he's a he's a guy that's green, but he's a talented player. And there's a lot to like about what he brings to the table. It's just the guy's not Drake May at this stage of, of his career. And you know odds are he's not gonna be Drake May because there aren't very many of those guys. Yep. But that's not saying he can't be a really good college quarterback and he may be even more. Nobody's hating on on Harrell here. Yep. And anybody that says I'm hating on the backup quarterback has not watched these podcasts in the last <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> it has been fun, guys. Uh, Appreciate everybody joining. Shout out to the 150, 180-plus folks that have joined us on a Tuesday morning on the second day of Christmas. North Carolina tomorrow, 530. We'll be back with the day after Jason Buck and myself, I guess, on Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Uh, we will see how it goes. It has been a fun ride with the game. The plan. hate has been on the defense. That's that's what yes, hate's been. There is a, a level of hate on the defense for certain folks. At any rate, it's been fun. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity. Shout out to Greg and Jason for always being there. And shout out for the Inside Carolina subscribers. Always, always being there. Until the next time, we'll see you. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.